Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. What's up, internets? This is Chico Leo. Welcome to another Fan Bros special delivery. Uh, I'm not flying solo this evening. I've got as my co-pilot, uh, Kim Sonian. Yes, sir. A.K.A. the Kali Ma of the internet. The Kali Ma of the internet. I like that. Well, you know, that, that actually leads me to a, a quick aside, since that's a little George Lucas thing. Uh, another famous co-pilot, uh, Nien Nub, who uh, everyone knows was Lando Calrissian's co-pilot in the assault on the Death Star at the end of Return of the Jedi. Sadly, the actor who played him passed away this past week. Wow, I didn't know that. That yes, yeah, so I feel like we can dedicate this special delivery to you know, if not to just Yen Num, maybe all of Lando Calrissian's co-pilots. That's a good idea. All right. So um, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. There's uh, some some new shows and uh, the return of an old favorite. And that old favorite, of course, Walking Dead, uh, the season second half of season five, returned this uh, this evening with uh, what happened and what's going on. Yeah, um, basically a pickup of Tyrese's line late in the show. Right. So this was, without a doubt, Tyrese's episode. And I guess there has to be an obligatory no, spo- you know, uh, spoilers ahead if we're going to, in fact, uh, really talk about this episode. That's right. So but, uh, it, I, I, it's safe to say this was definitely Tyrese's episode. Would you say? Yeah, basically. I mean, uh, the mid-season uh, premiere, fifth season, like you said, um, Scott Gimple, uh, uh, the uh, showrunner for the show. Um, wrote it, Greg Nicotero, the famous makeup artist and also executive producer on the show, directed it. And I got to say, it started off really, um, how do you say, uh, abstract. And, yeah, uh, arty. Very, very abstract. Very arty. Very all over the place. And I was like, where are we going with this? So, um, And then the, the I guess the, the episode just rolled on and focused on Tyrese from beginning to end, basically. Right. So I, I actually really I, I liked the the arty weirdness and I, it reminded me actually of the episode earlier this season the I think it was the one that most of the episode was Carol Tyrese and the two little girls um, and that ended with just Carol and Tyrese and that one had this really sort of weird opening and you didn't know it was like a, a scene that came later out of context and this opened up with a lot of stuff out of context that as the as the episode went on became clearer and i i feel like um you know that that it's the show getting more both like slightly more mature and confident but also having faith in the audience you know that i didn't feel sort of spoon-fed like oh you know this is sometimes the show will try and be like oh this is what happened last time and we're gonna wrap it up you know we're gonna we're gonna give a whole you know you know, this is how we got here type of thing. And it just throws you right into, you know, first you're really disoriented and then it just throws you right into it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, uh, I, I kind of like the, the, the artiness, um, 
I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I dug it, and I was kind of. I had to catch myself and try and figure out really what was going down. Um, and then I remembered that, you know, we did pick up when we got to the present moment, we did pick up where we left off, which was with Beth's death. And I was uh, led to believe that they were shoveling the dirt. I thought they were burying Beth and actuality, spoiler alert, you know, they're burying somebody else. Um, and it was, it was an interesting episode, how it flowed. Actually the one that you're referring to in the past, that did the same technique of uh, what is it pre pre uh, for foretelling what's about to happen was also written by Scott Gimple. I believe that was the Grove episode with the two girls. Um, And so I thought that was, you know, he's, he's using this interesting device to throw us off. And like you said, the show is more mature. I definitely felt like the audience is not, is up to par and is very much following how the creatives behind this show are trying to present the material. Um, another thing about this show, or this episode in particular, so much happened, but one of the main things as a device that I'm seeing is that they have this pattern of action, dialogue, action. So you have this uh, kind of tense moments, and then you have these kind of long, drawn-out explanations of uh, people characters uh rick and and um glenn just pontificating on where they're at in their life and then basically michonne breaking down you know her morality is just like you know in the in the toilet now i guess they all are actually they've been on the road too long and it's gotten to them right and 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 we hear actually sort of repeated the same free phrases repeated um i like i think either they say we've been on the road or we've been out here too long different characters say that same line um and and yeah just what what you were saying i think that the show has always had a a great command on the action scenes and when i say action it isn't even only just like the zombie scenes but any scenes that show people doing something and often that is fighting zombies the show has basically started was great and it's only gotten better since then and I think those dialogue scenes were really clunky in the beginning, and they've also gotten better, but they're not at the level of, of the action scenes. And it is difficult because the they're showing, you know, how, what the world is, but it, it's also realistic that the people would be constantly talking about, you know, if, if, if we were in that world, we would be talking about that world. And... Um, I just wonder if it's gotten too nihilistic, too like depressing. So I mean, this is I mean, I'm going to reveal the 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 spoiler unless we want to unless you want to go sort of plot by plot uh, point by plot point. No, get there. I, I, no, I think you, it's okay. You can you can. So in it. in this episode, Tyrese, a, a, a major character and a fan favorite, uh, was bitten by a zombie and uh, dies. And like Kimson said at the beginning, we see a this dirt being put on a grave. And we think that it's Beth from from the last episode, but it's in fact them digging Tyrese's grave, and they've killed two of the both uh, both um, fan favorite, but also sort of the the kinder, uh, gentler voices in in the in the in the group. And now you know, um, I mean, Tyrese was struggling with this whole you know not killing thing, and Beth, you know, was this innocent doe. And so, and now they're they're so they're all sort of angry and sad and and, <laughs> and despondent, and so I just it 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 by taking out the the sort of goodest characters, meaning like the people who are the most good, you you end up you know with like you know I don't know everyone's sort of harder. 
Sounds like a place you would really thrive in, Chico. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I used to think so, but the show has uh, has definitely piled on. So, in in and 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 uh, Tyrese's death was, you know, also because of his. Uh, so Tyrese went with Noah. The, um, to Noah is the. Um, it's everybody member of the group, right? Who's also who played, uh, Chris in uh, Everybody Hates Chris, right? 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 And. Um, no, they they went to the Noah's old, um, what do you call those subdivisions, which had been you know like walled off from the zombie invasion, and when he had left there before he got captured by the people in the hospital, things you know things were good there, and he you know had no reason to assume otherwise. The others, having had a little more experience out on the road or out in the world, you know suspected otherwise, but they went with him, and of course zombies had gotten through and had overrun the place no one needed to see his own like his own house and so he ran off to his own house and tyrese went with him out of you know compassion um both to keep him safe but because the you know dude was flipping out totally understandably and um when they went into his house tyrese sort of got caught up looking at the pictures of noah's family noah had like you know basically the perfect suburban big family um and so tyrese got caught up in looking at that he let his guard down and one of noah's brothers who had turned came out and bit tyrese on the arm um and then tyrese started seeing ghosts of many of the characters who've all all characters who've previously died including beth the two girls um the governor and that dude that uh that he didn't kill and Bob when when he you know I forget I forget his name right and Bob too he kept seeing Bobby Q, um, who was uh, right and Bob right, of course yeah exactly and there, there's actually um, a line that Tyrese says that Bob says also uh, when Tyrese is talking to the various ghosts um, that I can't remember but it was it was something that jumped out at me because it was they were sort of repeating having different characters say different lines through yeah saying the same line throughout the episode and and that was an example of that um it, and they were basically saying come you know let go uh it's better over here just to be dead than to live in that hellish world that's what i felt like the ghosts were saying to tyrese which is a pretty nihilistic um point of view i i think um and, th this device no, is no, interesting no, this device is really interesting because um, it's been used in, uh, for example, in John Landis's uh, American Werewolf in London from 1980, yes. 1981. Google it, Framboise out there. Um, the idea is uh, somebody who's been killed either wrongfully or sacrificed themselves comes back to as a you know, like you said, ghosts or angels or visions to communicate with the person and let them know what the other side is like and all this kind of stuff. So Tyrese is bombarded by these visions and he's communicating with them as he's slowly dying after he gets bit. I thought it was a little overdone. I didn't need to see the whole crew in the car with him. I'm not sure. If, right. I'm not sure if Greg Nicotero actually worked on, on uh, American werewolf. I know uh, Rick Baker did the art or the makeup and I think he might've won an Oscar for it. I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, you know, th this device, 
I know that was like 30 years ago, but I still feel it's it's pretty. Um, well, that um, was like a big year for werewolves. Didn't that come out the same year as the Howling and Wolfen? Yes, the Howling and Wolfen. Uh, and, and American Werewolf in London all came out at the same time, and those were sort of basically the the seminal werewolf movies. And they still haven't actually, actually made one. Of, they haven't actually made a good werewolf movie since, I have to say. I, I, I kind of like Ginger Snaps, the first Ginger Snaps. It's a Canadian werewolf movie about two teenage sisters, one of whom becomes a werewolf. And I actually really like the guy who directed The Descent, has a, a British werewolf movie called Dog Soldiers, and it actually has Sean Pertwee, who plays Alfred in um, Gotham, and uh, the guy who plays Stannis uh, Baratheon's like right hand man also in it um, in in from Game of Thrones, and that that Dog Soldiers, those two are good, although they're you know they're probably not as significant movies as those. That, that that year that all three of those werewolf movies came out and they're all very different those early ones they are all all different needless to say again that device of you know seeing or communicating with the dead yes. i thought it was a little overdone in this uh in this episode and uh they kind of drew out i guess tyrese was such a beloved character so that when he does go you know it's basically like the saddest episode ever um, you know, they really, most of the deaths, they kind of, um, not glance over, but you know, it's done and then that's it. But here they basically, the last 15 minutes were all Tyrese or 10 minutes were, it just seemed really drawn out. Well, and, and they drew it out. You could even say, because we actually are like, okay, so he got bit, he's going to turn into a zombie. And then they actually get to him and cut off his arm at, at, at one point, so like you know like ten minutes after he got bit you 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 feel like oh maybe he's gonna be better he's just gonna not have an arm like um, Daryl you know um, what's his face his brother right it, not Daryl wait well, who was who was the brother Daryl's brother you're talking about Daryl's brother yeah Daryl's brother sorry um, had had one arm and Herschel had one leg and so you're like oh you know and and then he ended up you know really just bleeding out from that. Uh, combined, you know, combined with, I guess, the the having bit, having bit, you know, bleeding out from the bite. But um, so they actually draw it out because normally when someone gets bitten, it's a foregone conclusion they're going to turn into a zombie. And in this one, we had the additional, well, they chopped off his arm, which we saw that work with Herschel. So um, it wasn't clear if he was going to die or not. And so I think dragging it out sort of heightened the the tension i think it started that way and then it to me it just got a little long with the with the ghosts in the car and then yeah the ghost thing is not i mean american werewolf in london is one of the best uses of that and i do agree this didn't use that that you know that well or it felt like maybe a throwback to some you know perhaps coordinator yeah it didn't it didn't totally sell i i i, I agree with you but i thought it was a strong premiere I think they've got to address the, you know, the potential just gloominess, the, the you know, the, the, the negativity, not, not you know, find something, you know. Well, I don't know. It's midseason, and also I like the fact that they can start on a really down note. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you can only get, you know, higher from there or, you know, or darker, you know, or lower. Right. But I like the fact that, you know, between Glenn, Michonne, and I guess with Tyrese's death, there's a lot of – like you said, negativity and yeah, you know, it is the zombie apocalypse. So at some point, somebody's gonna lose their mind, you know. 
And yeah, Sasha just lost her boyfriend. Right. And she didn't have her shit together as tight as maybe Bob or Tyrese, or maybe she does. I don't know. But like, she's not. I mean, I'm not saying that she has her shit together any less than I would in that situation. But I could see her not handling the news and, and, you know, well. Right. And so now they're searching for this new destination. And I guess Washington is the next step. We'll see if they actually follow through with that and see what's going on. I thought that was kind of a. A weird way to end the first, um, the first, uh, I guess, the first half of the season, with that all being a lie. And of course, Ben Namin's not here, but he's a big comic book guy about The Walking Dead, so he knows basically what's what that through line is about Washington. But we're kind of uh, just following the TV show, and we got to see what happens. Right, and I actually saw there's an internet. Uh some some site or someone did a whole thing comparing the deaths in in the Walking Dead comic to the deaths on the Walking Dead show, um, and I know that there have been d- divergences in terms of who and how, but um, yeah, I mean right now we're we're just you know this is just uh, just covering the show the you know the book is a whole the other other animal a larger more impressive animal. So what's ne- uh, next on the agenda? So um, tonight was also the the premiere of uh, Better Call Saul, which I uh, was very trepidatious about. I sort of thought that um, I I had, I mean, I had, I was, I was interested, but I I was concerned that it was going to be, you know, trying to, uh, you know, just sort of beat a dead horse. And I was really impressed. I thought it was great. Wow. Um, it's very clear that it's 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 almost like an, I mean it's another Breaking Bad show in that it's following a sort of sad sack middle aged guy and we're going to see how he you know sort of became the pseudo gangster that you know that Saul Goodman is and it actually opened up with a um, with a flat with a flash well with with Saul in the present running the Cinnabon. Which is what he, you know, when he when he got his escape um, out out of the whole situation with Walter White and his new identity, it was going to be running a Cinnabon in uh, a mall in Nebraska, and that's what he's doing now. And that was all shot in black and white with very melancholy, um, either Ink Spots or Mills Brothers, one of those forties fifties um, blackmail vocal groups like a a sort of mournful song over this whole very sad montage in black and white and then it comes to it cuts the color in new mexico and we see the very beginning of um of the journey that will take him to become saul and it's very clear it's set in the breaking bad universe as there are two appearances by you know, future Breaking Bad characters in there that are that are both very well done. So is that implying? I didn't get a chance to see it, but is that implying that he's his life now is is dull compared to the beginnings of his criminal career, or is that? Well, I guess he sees it that way. Right. I mean, he it's very humdrum. I mean, it shows him, you know, sort of picking up after you know, mall people come through and, you know, cleaning, you know, Cinnabon stuff and he looks sad and <laughs> glum and he lives in like, you know, a one bedroom condo somewhere and he's constantly sort of looking over his shoulder and um, 
the the entry point into the old Saul stuff is he goes and watches a videotape of the Better Call Saul uh, commercials that we know from from Breaking Bad, um, and then it flashes back to you know um, two thousand two. Uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, I think it's, I think it's, it, what reminded me of was there was a, a recent, uh, Garth Ennis wrote a, a recent Nick Fury miniseries that takes place with Nick Fury in a hotel room drinking whiskey, thinking back on his career. And, uh, and that's sort of what I, I saw this as. Um, but highly recommended if you're, if you're a Breaking Bad fan. Um, you might not be blown away by the pilot, and there actually it's a two-part pilot where the first hour ran Sunday night, and the second hour is running Monday night, um, and then it will be from here on out on Mondays. But I think um, I, I'm pretty confident that anyone who really liked Breaking Bad um, should at least give this a shot. Um, you know, obviously it's not, you know, it's not the same thing, but I, I, I think it certainly looks better than, say, Teen Wolf 2 did <laughs> with uh, Jason Bateman instead of Michael J. Fox in Teen Wolf 1. Good comparison. That, that I'm well, sold. with the werewolves, I had to throw that Right, right, there. right. We, we definitely need to do a special delivery on which is the best werewolf movie and why. Um, yes, and, I'm, de- I'm, down. And, uh, I'm down. And maybe some TV spinoffs. Um, I want to shout out uh, good good looking on that better call Saul review. Sure, yeah. I want to shout out uh, a new show that premiered this week called uh, Fresh Off the Boat, which is a sitcom based on Eddie Huang's um, uh, his own personal biography. Uh, I guess that's an autobiography that he wrote. He's Eddie Huang is a young uh, in his thirties, super popular chef, and he owns a restaurant in the Lower East Side, but he also is has uh, been on cooking shows and stuff like that. But he wrote this autobiography a couple of years ago, and they bought it and optioned it. And he's an Asian. Uh, I believe he's from Taiwan and basically grew up. You know, it's an immigrant story, but it, the sitcom is really, really good. It's really funny. And uh, he's a hip-hop-loving, you know, 12-year-old growing up in Orlando, Florida, and his you know, it's the immigrant experience, basically. Um, but with the traditional parents, with the traditional parents, what I really dug though was like the clash between his how he gets treated, and um, you know, at school, even from within his own family, he's got two little brothers who are like his mother's darlings. His mom is, I guess, they even mentioned it in the pilot that you know they called her the tiger mom. I'm not too right. too keen on the on the term myself, but you know, she's demanding. But I mean, it's all in the lens of comedy and. I have to say it's 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 really it has one of the best soundtracks on TV. It's all '90s hip hop, and it's a lot of G funk and a lot of like Biggie and some. I think there's some yeah, it's Dr. Dre. There's a lot of Snoop and the grandmother's hilarious. She like she's in a wheelchair, but she plays every time little Eddie walks into the room. She plays like a Snoop song, and so he when he does good like on his report card, he has her wheel in. She presses play on this boombox right <laughs> so he's got his own theme song and also his father um runs a uh like kind of a i guess a golden corral ripoff uh restaurant right. and so everybody's like oh i thought this is a golden corral and he's like this is, you know it's got its own name and anyway it's it's really funny and all these racial jokes and all sorts of like you know racial issues but also family issues and um just just really on point and i really love the way that they deliver kind of 
white stereotypes, white American stereotypes, especially white suburban stereotypes, um, with the humor in a way that's like just everyday normal stuff. And it's so out of, out of uh, how I say, out of character. And um, like it's so foreign to them as a family that, you know, the there's a there's a bunch of housewives like Stepford wives that rollerblade throughout the community and they invite the wife to go and they all just like talk in like the same voice. And anyway, the characters are really good. It's actually the showrunner. I think her name is Nanachka Khan. She's Persian and she's the showrunner and uh, she really worked hard to adapt the the series like you know the book to the to the show and uh eddie actually wrote a piece for the new york times detailing how he how it came to screen and from his book and how he was involved with all the 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 execs and stuff and how he was kind of beefing and he actually ends up being the voiceover which is really great um right no i i read that new york times piece and it actually made me i was wondering if the show was going to be you know how, how if if it was gonna have his voice or not? I mean, I knew it was gonna have his voice because he was he was doing the voiceovers, but he express you know yeah the there, there were definitely some differences between him and ABC. But I'm glad to hear that it I, I it's definitely a show that I'm planning on I was planning on checking out and I just missed it you know this week premiering. But I'm glad to hear because I think they 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 premiered two episodes right right so it's the pilot and then they kind of premiered this the 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 other episode which is basically the series and what I what I really liked was in the pilot you really get the sense of them just moving in and kind of these alien like who are these asian people who are these white people jokes and then also you know kind of understand dynamics of the family but then in the next episode they kind of veer off into other stuff and you can't just stay on the racial jokes all day right so you do, no. you do have to create some new funny stuff that has nothing to do no, with that. No, but the that. kid definitely looks dope. Like, he, they can definitely, you know, he's the kind of kid who can carry a comedy, you know. I don't know. That that was what I saw from, the, you know, the kid who plays him. Yeah, and actually um, there's a lot of it is not even based around him, which I think is really funny. I mean, the whole show is based around him, but, you know, you get these splinter stories that are just, I don't know, I'm not doing it justice in explaining it. You're no, but I, watch I know it, what you're saying. Or they're, they're just his narration of them, see him telling the stories through his eyes gives you gives it a, a you know, like a spin and a flavor that you wouldn't otherwise, you know, see on TV normally. Yeah, anyway, I just wanted to, you know, definitely plug Fresh Off the Boat. Shout out to Eddie Huang and the whole crew over at ABC. And um, uh, also the NAACP awards were given out, I guess, in the over the weekend or a couple of days ago. And shout out to the show Blackish that kind of just cleaned up, boy. Um, I don't know if you watched that show, but uh, they. I ha- I haven't. Yeah, no, I'm I'm bad with the with like sort of the mid the midweek comedies, and they've now been getting they've been releasing stuff that's definitely been of interest. Um, and so no, and I hear Tracy Ellis Ross is really good. Yeah, so I wanted to. I ho- I was hoping they would give the award for the worst title of a sitcom because I think it's the worst title ever. Um, right. But the show is actually pretty good, despite the fact that Anthony Anderson to me is probably the the worst thing going somehow he he manages to pull this off he actually won the award for best comedic performance and acp whatever um but um anyway shout out to them and shout out to all the winners and what shout out to what what where were you earlier this evening oh yeah so um 
the reason I couldn't watch Better Call Saul was I went to see Hannibal Burris live doing stand-up around the corner at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. And to my surprise, who came out uh, before him? He had a guy opening up who was really funny. I hope we can get him on the show. I got to get him. And uh, the second, right before uh, Hannibal, was uh, our own Gene Gray uh, doing an amazing rap-slash-stand-up performance. And she brought out Quelle Chris for the Fan Bros. They were our hosts for our Absolutely. first live uh, from Bergen Comics. So, um, and then Hannibal came. They're like the Dean Martin and, and, and Jerry Lewis of the Fan Bros set. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'd put it that way. Maybe the Lucy and Desi. I don't know. Right. Right. Um, there you go. Uh, but anyway, it was funny. I didn't know Quelle Chris did stand-up. And it's he's actually kind of funny. They do songs and they do jokes. It's It's kind of a... Weird thing, but to see it at BAM in the main hall was really great. And then Hannibal, of course, just killed it. And he just, he's got a lot of new jokes and, and um, you know, definitely touched on the Cosby thing. And so if you get a chance to see Hannibal, definitely check him out. Yeah, I would imagine he's had to come up with a lot of new material recently because he, you know, he so much, you know, everything blew up, you know, for him in the in the last year, you know, with the. With the with the Cosby thing, like and and he's on Broad City, which we watch, and he's just been all over in the last year. I feel like he's been all over the place. Yeah, Broad City definitely showed up to watch him too. I could tell in the oh, audience. Oh, cool. Well, I mean, not them, but oh, the audience, quote right, unquote, right. Broad City audience, was right? Got definitely <laughs> there. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's uh, that's it for this week, and um, you know what you. We, we're definitely going to have to do that werewolf conversation. Um, but uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, definitely talking about The Walking Dead. Uh, maybe by then, uh, Kimson will have caught up on um, Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul. I'll, I'll have caught up on Fresh Off the Boat. And uh, Ben wants us to talk about Empire. Oh, that's right. Yeah, which I have been actually meaning to see. Um, again, like Taraji P. Henson, I mean, everyone, it's the talk of the town. And so... I'm I'm intrigued uh, to see you know a great performance, and um, so yeah, maybe we'll talk about Empire next week. We should do we should do Empire versus Power because I'm I'm trying to get all these um the what are the what I'm calling the new black soap operas. So it's right everybody who kind of the hip hop mogul slash entertainment black moguls like what is what's the drama in their life and let's make a show about that. I feel like right. uh, we need to do some comparisons. Yeah, I mean, I just, so for me, I mean, it's just like I, I wasn't into Dallas and Dynasty. Like, I definitely, you know, turned off the TV after Dukes of Hazard when Dallas came on, you know? like not, So, like, that's how I view those things, like Knott's Landing or Dallas or, you know, any of those. Saying elsewhere. No, but hospital shows are, are, are a little different. Uh, <laughs> did you say St. Elsewhere? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I don't know. Well... I'm up for a St. Elsewhere versus ER. uh, Empire conversation. Oh, we could do... I was going to say St. Elsewhere versus ER, but yeah. Anyway, we're off topic. So, uh, yeah, man. Um, The Kalima is signing off. Right. All right. So, wait. um, Where should I send this? (laughs) Wait. You got to end the show. Fan Bros. Fan Bros.